This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Indoors or out, summer, fall, winter, and spring. Whatever you garden, wherever you garden. This is the show that covers it all. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, sponsored by Scott's. Grow the world you want with help from Scott's. Hello, Gracie. Grace is waving at me through the window there, our producer. Grace is back. Yes, and she looks as fit as a fiddle and probably as tight as a drum. However, (laughs) well, I asked her if she was to a party last night because I caught her when I walked in the control room. Yawning. Big yawn. Yeah. (laughs) No, 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 I'm fine. Okay. Come on, she starts at the crack of dawn here on Saturday Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this this for her is like normal people getting up at, say, 10 in the morning. Oh, no. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Grace is our producer. That's the first voice you will hear when you call the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show, which this is here at AM 740 Zoomer Radio. Uh, phone numbers to call, 416-360-0740. That's for Toronto area listeners. And then anywhere else in the province, it's toll-free. We spare nothing. one 866 Okay, and hello to Charlie Dobbin. Now, let's get a word in here now. Yes, thank you very much. Oh, you're quite welcome. Where's your show? I I am the sous chef. I am but the sous chef. Frank Proctor, my favorite sous chef of all time. There you are. And we are here to talk about gardening, and I just wanted to say, if if you're going away on holidays or you might miss the show, because we are on every Saturday from 9 till 10, but sometimes things come up and you just can't sit by the radio at that time, remember there's other ways to catch the show. On, a, on any computer, we are broadcast live, mm-hmm. so if you're near a computer and not near a radio, you can always go to the website, www.am740.ca, and click on Listen Live. Or, if you are just not able to be listening at all between 9 and 10, all the shows are archived and as a, as a podcast, and it's on iTunes. Wow. It doesn't get any cooler than that. Technology is a wonderful thing. Can I squeeze in a quick little plug for our boss, uh, Moses Neimer? Okito, Idea I City. Guess. No, yes, coming up 16, yes. 17, 18th in this next week. Mm-hmm. Kerner Hall, 50 speakers. Each speaker gets 20 minutes to uh, talk ex- uh, Expound on amazing expound. things. Oh, my God. The speakers are from every walk of life. But the, what, what I'm connecting here is that you can now actually get the conference, the whole three-day thing, online at a much reduced price than it would cost you to get in the door. Oh, okay. And it's f- fabulous. Anyway, uh, I'll give you the numbers during my show to call, yes. but just something to, to keep in mind for next week, Idea City. Idea City, and totally, truly amazing ideas. Yep, and I've got two guests uh, on the show this morning who are speakers uh, at oh, nice. Idea City. Yeah, because yeah, they both are. Both from California. So, hey, Moses, you're going to pick up the tab on that one, too? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Why, do you have to pay them to interview oh, them? No, 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 no. But he oh. has the long-distance charge. Of course. Saying, yes. of course. Oh, you're not flying them in for the interview? <laughs> <laughs> Gee, <laughs> there's, there's a, an idea. Yeah. Okay. All right, a quick, quick, yes. couple of quick announcements. Yes. Uh, Burlington, in Burlington, the Horticultural Society's annual garden tour, raffle, 
uh, Garden Books and Gloves event is happening on Sunday, June 27th from noon until 4 p.m. So mm-hmm. put that in your calendar. It's a $10 cost to get in and to participate in the tour. Uh, tickets are available in a couple of places right now. Uh, Holland Park Garden Gallery in Burlington has tickets. Conan Nurseries in Waterdown and Burlington Blooms on Pine Street in Burlington also has tickets. So, you know, pick up a pick up a ticket and participate in that. It's a, they're a very active group. They're a great group, that Burlington Hort Society. Now, tours, of course, continue to happen. Toronto Botanical Gardens, the special hidden lakeside garden gems Ooh. are up for, for viewing uh, Saturday the 19th and Sunday the 20th from 11 to 4. Just go to torontobotanicalgarden.ca for more information, but totally, totally worth it tour if you can get out to that one. If you're a peony lover, uh, that's, I love peonies. I know you do. So there you go. If you're a peony lover, unfortunately, the weather's not really with the festival because it's on t- today and tomorrow. And uh, this is at the Oshawa Valley Botanical Gardens at 155 Arena Street from 10 to 4, today, tomorrow. Uh, all kinds of other tours going on. We've mentioned already the Workworth Garden Tour, June 20th. More information, www.workworth.ca. And uh, another one, June 27th, the Great Gardens of the Ganaraska. So they're happening all over the place. One more, can I add? No way. Um, Triple W, <laughs> Heart of Northumberland. <laughs> That's one word, heartofnorthumberland.ca. All right, go ahead. Okay. I, I was just online yes. uh, reading about the Niagara-on-the-Lake Garden Tour yes. coming up next month, July 10th. Just pop online if you've got a computer, folks, and uh, enter uh, Niagara-on-the-Lake Garden Tour, and it'll give you the full rundown of what's happening. You can buy tickets at Shaw Festival. And is your garden on that tour? Oh, yes. Uh, they're coming. All, all the folks are trooping out to my my uh, balcony. balcony and uh, looking at the uh, the wax plants out there. All right. Just thought I'd ask. Uh, okay. <laughs> all right. So uh, let's just talk about one of the best gardening tools that I've discovered. And you know what? You won't find this in the tool shed. It's an all-natural mineral supplement called Sierrasil Joint Formula 14. Sierrasil addresses the aches and stiffness associated with a day in the garden and with all kinds of activities. Sierra Sill is a great discovery, so take my advice and call Sierra Sill at 877-JOINT-14. That's 877-JOINT-14. Charlie Dobbin, you are nothing if not smooth. It's now 9-11 on Charlie Dobbin's Garden Show. Back in a moment. Need gardening advice? You've come to the right place. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, sponsored by Scott's, the makers of Miracle Grow. And uh, we're just about to hear a first here. Uh, Grace, who answers the phones here and is our producer, has her own little announcement of something happening. What is it, Grace? I do. Well, next Saturday, June 19th, uh, the Brampton Horticultural Society is having their own annual flower show in the atrium at Brampton's City Hall. Well, let's hear it for Grace. Hey, <laughs> well all right, done. Gracie. And, and well-researched. Thank yes. you very much. No problem. I took the liberty to find that out myself. Yes. <laughs> what a self-starter. Well, we, what, what, the terrific Troika here, the yes. trio of... Um, terrificness. Terrificness. <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay, uh, should we get to the phones, I guess? Let's. Huh? The phones are uh, all lit up here, and we have Margaret on the line from Collingwood. Good morning, Margaret. Good morning. Morning. My problem is with my 16-year-old clematis, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, 
it's the Duchess of Edinburgh, and we were told at the time of purchase that it grew on last year's uh, stem. So, mm -hmm. and basically this year it's absolutely covered with leaves, but not a sign of a flower. What has happened? I'm just trying to remember. I think Duchess of Edinburgh grows on both last year's and this year's. Oh. So is it a huge, big plant? Yes. Uh, and have you ever done any trimming on it at all? Not really, except removing anything that looked dead. Mm -hmm. Good idea. In the spring. Yeah. Uh, that's exactly what you do. Um, Duchess, oh, you know what? I have to maybe look that up somewhere. But I'm, pr I'm pretty sure. So you saw no flowers on it this year at all? No, not Just, a thing. All right. Have you done any fertilizing of yes, it at all? Yes, we've been using Miracle Grow. Mm, okay. So stop using any fertilizer because that Miracle Grow, I think, is probably really, obviously, you know, uh, encouraging a lot of green growth. And what you want to do is get some, some flower bud formation. And that will help, will happen better. If you withhold some fertilizer, obviously there's no shortage of rain going on, so it's not That's a problem right. water-wise. I would just leave it alone. I think you'll find that um, in the next week, you know, few weeks, because you're in Collingwood, so maybe three, four weeks from now, you should get some color on it, <clears throat> and it should start to pop out with some color. And in the meantime, keep listening, and I'm going to report back to you um, the details of exactly, because I'm just, like I said, I'm having this kind of blank on, I'm, like I say, I believe it should have some blooms from last year's wood, but this year's no, wood will form blooms as well. And okay. it's about, uh, I would say, about eight foot high up mm -hmm. the trellises. Good stuff. It yeah. sounds, sounds happy and healthy. Yeah. <laughs> the trick is to get some color. Yes. <laughs> All right. Keep listening, and I'll, I'll report back to you on that one. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Margaret. And uh, you, my friends, are listening to the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show, broadcast only on AM 740. In fact, we're the only garden show in Toronto. How about that, Charlie? Uh, that's absolutely true. Well, there you go. And Richard, welcome from St. Catharines. How are you this morning? Fine. Morning, Richard. Good morning. What's going on in your garden? I have problems with miniature roses. Mm -hmm. uh, they're all turning brown, the leaves. Oh. Are they in the sunniest possible spot in your garden? Yes, they are, right and in the front of the house. Have they been there for a number of years, or are they new? Uh, they're about five years old. Okay. And, and uh, there's one bush that has two or three roses on, but the rest is all, uh, it's all brown. The leaves are all brown. Has anything changed in that garden? Could there have been some salt buildup from the winter, perhaps, or... Uh, is there a dog, I hate to say this, but peeing on them? or You know what I'm saying? Like, is something, anything changed from last spring, for example? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. It's, it, it's much the same, yes. Yeah, like this, um, did you add soil? Have you amended your soil lately? Have you been... No, I haven't disturbed the soil. I put some uh, uh, miracle Grow on them. Okay, and when did you last do that? Oh, in the fall. Oh, okay. So <clears throat> here's, here's a trick. Never, ever, ever fertilize perennial plants in the fall. Okay. Okay. The only time we fertilize, when I say perennial, I mean plants that we expect to come back in the spring. So whether it's trees or shrubs or roses or clematis vines, you know what I'm saying? Anything we want to see growing next spring, we do not fertilize in the fall because we, we must allow those plants to go to sleep for the winter, and they will not go to sleep if we pump fertilizer to them in the fall. However, we do fertilize in the spring. When they're actively growing is when we want to support that growth by feeding. Okay. Now, it could be that... Um, so they, they, I, Excuse me, I have one other thing that just came to mind. My, mm -hmm. my wife just showed me here. 
we had the sidewalk at the front of the house uh, repaired. Mm -hmm. And I was just wondering here now if some of the uh, fluids from the sidewalk got on to the roses, which are not too far away. Right. It's possible. Was this, is the sidewalk is concrete? Uh, no, it's that slate. Oh, okay. So there was some digging and excavating and putting down of things like crushed lime, I imagine, to go uh, under... Yes, I, ma- yeah, I yeah. imagine they did that too, yes. Um, Maybe that's what it is. It could be, because uh, like I say, often crushed lime is used as one of the, the base uh, components for a solid walkway okay. because crushed lime does stabilize... Uh, very nicely below, mm-hmm. and um, but it also does affect the pH. It'll often raise the pH okay. uh, well above neutral. So here's what I would do when you say they're turning brown. A quick question, though. W- were they nice and green oh, like a beautiful. month ago? Yeah, so this is all just kind of happened. They've yeah, started no, to turn brown. Although these are not dry, they're, uh, they're, they're not dry yet, but mm-hmm. they are brown. Brown, and probably starting yellow and then yes, going to right. a golden mm-hmm. and then a brown. To check the pH, there is a very simple pH test you can do. Pick up a pH test kit at your local garden center or home repair center. It's literally almost a litmus paper test, pink or blue, showing you acid or base for the soil. If the soil has become quite alkali as a result of the presence of lime, there will be a recommendation for you to add some sulfur to the soil to help lower that pH. The roses would like it closer to neutral or slightly below neutral in order to truly thrive. I would not do any fertilizing at all. Um, make sure that the plants aren't suffering for anything that you, like water, for example, which I doubt they are suffering for at this no. point. And, um, and when, it, when these leaves turn brown and they fall off, pick them up. Tr- can trim anything brown or what looks dead off the rose. Roses are it's one of those narcissistic plants. They want to be beautiful. And if you're looking at them saying, oh, my God, you look horrible, they're going to hear that and not respond well. So keep them as clean and as tidy and admire them as much as you can. Check that pH, though. And and that's the first thing I would suspect is that that's what's going on. That's what's causing that browning. But roses, if you've had them in there for a number of years, very tough plants, hard to kill, and uh, and likely to survive the process. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you, Richard. And a reminder that you are listening to AM740, Zoomer Radio, the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show. Phone numbers for Toronto, 416-360-0740. And anywhere else in the province, it's toll-free, 1-866-744-740. I'm the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor, and we'll return to the questions from you, our listeners, here in in just a moment. Southern Ontario, Western New York, wherever you're tuning in, this is your place for everything garden. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, sponsored by Scott's, makers of Turf Builder Easy Seed. Hey, good morning, and it's rather cloudy and slightly cool Saturday morning. Uh, I don't know what that does to the gardeners out there. Ooh, Gives it, us a day off. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. See, there's always a bright little exactly. silver lining in that this dark is, cloud, isn't it? This is there? the day we do laundry mm-hmm. and we update our journals. No, there and you go. You know what I mean. Sure. It's just one of those, that's, yeah. it's an opportunity. Well, there you are. I sit home and match socks from the laundry. You know? Excellent. Good and wonder where all the other ones that aren't matched, where they've gone. <laughs> Donate them to somebody who... <laughs> Might need one sock. Yeah. <laughs> okay, just a quick go backwards oh, here. Our first caller, Margaret from Collingwood, yeah. had the issue with the Duchess of Edinburgh clematis that was not blooming. Uh, quick check. Um, I was right. Uh, it is a what we call a repeat bloomer. So Duchess of Edinburgh should bloom mid-spring 
on last year's growth, which Margaret said it hasn't done. Then the trick is after it finishes that blooming, you give it a, a light pruning, which will encourage more new growth, and then it will continue to bloom. So, Margaret, up to you. Um, if it's looking kind of sparse and spindly, don't hesitate to go out there and give it a nice shearing just to encourage lots of more, lots more, you know, density and, and more growth for flowering in the next month or so. It's, the, it's a great plant. It's an old, old clematis, white double flowers. Mm-hmm. It, it wouldn't be like it would flower and you'd miss it because, you know, they're bright white, double little puffy flowers. So uh, um, keep your eyes peeled on that, Margaret. If, like I say, if you get a chance, a little shearing might just encourage more blooms. Okay, take it to a barber shop. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, you know, if, if a psychologist were listening to you this morning, they could probably write a book on what you're like from the one little comment, I was right. <laughs> and <laughs> the, the, I'm sure it'd be chapters one, two, and three uh, on the life of Charlie Dobbin right there. Okay. I was right. Yeah, you can just quote of, me on that. You're, you're, like. you're a little bit of a control freak, aren't you? Do you feel that way? <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, just I got the look. Yes, I do. Sit in the okay. corner there and do what you're told. <laughs> okay. Hey, we, we've got Sam on the line from Etobicoke. Uh, Sam called us. Uh, uh, oh, I'm sorry. First is Juliana from from Toronto, pardon me, about peony, as I understand. Hello, Juliana. Hi, how are you? Fine, thanks. Morning. Um, I just want to say hi to Frank. I met him at the X a few years ago. Oh, my gosh. We had our sons graduated at the same time. Right. Now I'm finding out you have the same birthday that I do, so happy birthday. May 25th. Yes. Well, how about that? That's right. I bet you're not as old as I am, but don't tell. Don't tell. Uh, I'm a senior citizen. Oh, well, we're, we we could be real buddies then. Okay, that's, <laughs> that's good, Juliana. <laughs> anyway, my question is about my peonies. Mm-hmm. Well, my peonies um, are very old. Uh, they're over 100 years old. Mm-hmm. They came from my grandparents' house mm-hmm. in Thornton mm-hmm. to my parents' house here in Toronto. And then when my parents uh, moved, or my mom moved, my dad had already passed away, um, we all took some peonies, and I have quite a few of them. They're mm. pink and white, nice. and they're double. Nice. And uh, now I'm moving. Uh-huh. I'm retiring, and I'm moving and selling the house, and I'm going up north. So my question is, how do I move them? Where are you going up north? Uh, Victoria Harbor, just outside of Midland. Oh, man, okay. that's a very beautiful country. Nice. Yeah. Yes, that's why I'm going there. <laughs> <laughs> and will you be moving this summer? or, or? I'm moving, yes, in the beginning of July. Mm, so fairly soon. Okay, the best time to transplant or divide or dig peonies is actually in the late, in late summer. But you can't wait that long. No. <laughs> I imagine, they're bl- are they blooming now? Okay. Well, they've fallen now. The yeah, rain. the rain. But, you know, I know that normal. one. <laughs> but they always there's so much promise with peonies. I find, and and then typically it rains, and we sort of see the backside of the blooms as they look at the ground. <laughs> um, right. What I would do, you've got today's the twelfth, so you've got a good two weeks or so. Yeah. They are they are nowhere near dormant. They are actively growing. You will need to get yourself a couple of pots. The bigger the pots, the better. Because the bigger the chunk of root you can dig, the better. And uh, within the next week or so, whether the flowers have finished or not, cut them off. Remove all the flower stems entirely. If there's any buds that haven't opened, cut them off as well. So you want to eliminate the chance of any more flowering. 
now you're going to have these little, you know, good-sized green bushes. If you, you probably haven't done any dividing on these peonies for many years, I imagine. No, I haven't. So if you were to go in there and dig one, one of the clumps of peonies, you'd probably find out that the, the tuber that would come up would be about the size of your dining room table, I bet. <laughs> it's like they're going to be really big. And your challenge is going to be to, to dig up what's going to be a very large tuber and then take a piece of it that will fit into your pot and try and treat it like a transplant. So some soil still attached, some stems still attached mm-hmm. into a pot as a, as a growing plant. You're going to be most likely to be successful by taking a piece from the edge of this monster tuber below ground. And you, you, you know, there's going to be spots where it's going to break or separate more easily. You may end up having to get out a sharp knife or a sharp shovel and actually chopping, you know, a chunk of tuber off. But the main thing is that you need to have some stem and some root attached so that it's, it's you know, the, the plant will consist of both some stem and some root where they come together is called the crown. And that's what is going to survive is that crown. In the process of the moving and transplanting, you may lose the stems and the, and the leaves. They may look quite tattered and not look great once you transplant into the new garden location. Mm-hmm. But the, if the crown and the tuber survives this process, which they're likely to do, some new shoots will pop up. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And when you get to now the new... how deep do I have to go for them? To dig? Yeah. Oh, you're going to find they're fairly shallow because okay. peonies do grow just below the surface. So you're going to... Your maximum depth of digging is maybe four or five, even six inches deep. We're not talking, you know, two feet deep well, or you, anything You could here. dig down and... Almost get the whole darn thing, couldn't you? Except you'll never have a pot big enough to put it oh. into. Hmm. And of course, and I do have to put it in a pot. Do it. I can't. Just I've got a lobster pot at home that you can borrow. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what I need. <laughs> well, you know what you almost w- would potentially work would be like a laundry basket. So uh-huh. you take a laundry basket, yeah. line it with just a green garbage bag, and then take this, you know, a chunk of tuber and just with soil attached, that's kind of the trick in all of this, put this whole chunk of tuber and soil and growing plant into the laundry basket, tuck the plastic around just to hold the moisture in, but don't, don't, and, you know. Smother it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You don't smother it. You don't want the heat to build up in that, in that soil. You don't earth in um, You do need to make sure that there, there is earth yeah. around the yeah, tuber. So don't have to put any extra. No, you shouldn't have to. It just, if with the soil so moist, I think you'll find that it will stick together quite nicely for you. Um, but the the other thing is, when you get to the new location, do get it into the ground as soon as you can, yeah. even if it means just a holding spot until you have a final spot for later in the summer or you know in the early fall. Then you can move and put it in a more permanent position. But just come up with a sunny, well drained location for now and get it in the ground would be my suggestion. Okay. Little transplant or fertilizer helps as well, or quick start or bone meal, anything that will help get the roots growing right away. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Hey, Juliana. Good luck with that. I, I, that, that. That, I think, was a marvelous thing to, uh, you know, yeah. pass that on to the family and everybody gets sure. a little bit of the flower that meant so much to the oh, folks. Oh, it really does mean a lot to all of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll bet you. Oh, yeah. And they're great. They're, some plants like peonies, they do live for a very long time. So it's so neat to keep something like that in the family. Yes. And that's why I, I don't want to lose No, it. you won't. All right. Well, okay. Hey, good luck we'll, with that. We'll see you at the X, we'll see you at the X uh, this coming fall, okay? Okay, then. <laughs> all right.
<laughs> Take care. Juliana Toronto calling into the Charlie Duffin Garden Show. Phone lines open here in Toronto, of course, 416-360-0740. Anywhere else in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Zoomer Radio, the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show, saying hi now to Gary calling in from Sutton. Hi, Gary. Hi, how are you? Good. Morning. Morning, Charlie. A um, couple quick questions. Mm-hmm. A few weeks ago, you were talking about weed control, and I believe you said something about uh, vinegar mm-hmm. killing weeds. Mm-hmm. Well, killing plants, yes. Sorry? Vinegar will kill plants if it is a strong enough solution. Not, it's not, not strong enough for weeds? Well, straight vinegar, the stuff you put on your french fries, is not strong enough. Okay. okay. There is horticultural vinegar available, and it is uh, about twice the the um, strength? strength yes of your regular uh, kitchen vinegar and will quite effectively kill off all the top growth of any plant you want to kill. Okay. Now it won't always kill the root, so it sometimes takes more than one spray to actually eliminate any of the weeds. I find it works marvelously in uh, walkways and you know interlocking driveways oh, right. where you get all the little tiny stuff, little weeds growing up. You can just spray right all over those little green bits, and they'll all just curl up and die right before your eyes on a sunny day. Okay, number two. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried a vegetable garden, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, I have a black thumb. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I uh, I uh, re- put Roundup on my patch, mm-hmm. and about a week later I tilled it, and about a week later I went out and bought some tomatoes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and put them in the ground. And outside the fact that they are now um, almost floating. Mm. That's uh, not your fault, though. That rain, you mean? That wall, the water, yeah. Mm. But they're doing terrible. Terrible. There's, the only plants that are coming along half decent are the um, the weeds, green and green peppers. Oh, that's good. Um, everything else, just you know, uh, the tomato plants are sort of withering away. And I'm wondering, is it possible that the soil is a totally wrong pH or something like that? It's possible. Have you grown vegetables there in the past? I took a crack at it last year, and it was sort of. So. It was such a rainy, cold year last year. It was a horrible year to start. Because as you know, tomatoes love the heat, as do peppers. But tomatoes particularly love a nice, hot, sunny spot. So a couple of things for a successful vegetable garden. Number one, minimum six hours of direct sun every day if you're wanting to grow things like tomatoes. You know something, Charlie? Uh-huh. My phone is terrible. I can't hardly hear you. Okay. Can I hang up sure. and turn yes. the radio on? Absolutely. Okay, hang on a second. Thanks, Gary. I'll give Gary a chance to shut the old uh, radio off uh, or turn the radio on. Hang up the phone. Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, and we are letting him slide in that second question, but it's a pretty good question, so I guess we'll let him go. Okay, and I best get the mantra that we should give at the top of the show. Uh, call early, call often, one question per call, but we'll forgive Gary this one time. Okay. Yeah, because he's feeling so bad about his vegetables. All right, yeah. bottom line, successful vegetable gardening. Uh Full sun, minimum six hours of direct sun daily when the sun is shining, is your best spot for vegetables. Number two, a a good quality, well-drained soil. Gary referred to his tomatoes as floating. Mm -hmm. It has been raining a lot, there's no question. But if your soil is, is just soggy and mushy after all this rain, you have too much clay in there, and it's holding too much water, and it's turning into a swamp. So what do you do? You've got to help with drainage. You've got to add more organic matter. 
the great thing about organic matter is it helps with drainage mm-hmm. in, a, in a wet soil and it helps with water retention in a sandy soil. So you can't go wrong adding organic matter. Where do now you how get, much would you add roughly? Like well, an inch or yeah, an inch, inch yeah. two inches, okay. uh, four inches, six inches. Yeah. You know, it kind of depends what grade you're at with okay. your vegetable garden. If it's very low and you can bring it up, you just can't go wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, you can add as much as you can add in order to have your right grades going on there. Hello, um, I'm on the top of a mountain now. Is that enough? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, honey, we need the ladder to go up yeah. and plant the tomatoes. Yeah. So, um, no, we don't want to do that. So the um, the trick is, where do you get organic, get good quality organic matter? It could be something you make at home. It could be in a homemade compost. It could be bagged composted manure. It could be a truck delivering a yard or two mm-hmm. of good quality triple mix from a reputable dealer. Uh, it can be your municipality having the giveaway days for, uh, you know, recycled organic matter. Just bring your containers and help yourself. So there's there's ways to get a hold of organic matter and like I say, you can't go wrong. Um, so full sun, lots of good organic matter. If the tomatoes are looking really poorly, um, maybe he might have to dig a few little trenches, <laughs> get that yep, water yeah. running away from the tomatoes. Uh, do not o- use a lot of fertilizer at this point because a plant under stress does not want to be fed. What it wants is to be given what it needs to thrive. Can't do much about making the sunshine, but we have a great week coming. As soon as the weekend's over, we're yeah, into beautiful sunshine. Yeah. So the tomatoes will love that. Of course, no watering for a couple days. Mm-hmm. If you're not sure when to water, dig down and check the, the soil. Stick your finger in. Yeah. Don't just water because the surface looks dry. Make sure really the plants do need water. Stake your tomatoes, obviously. Do everything in your power for good air circulation. Maintain you know, good sun, good air. Tomatoes will love that. So there's just a couple of sort of off the top of my head tips to, to don't blame yourself don't say you have a black thumb. Just, you know, prepare the soil and prepare the site first and go from there. If at the end of it all, uh, Gary, you're concerned about soil, soil testing is always recommended. Yes, because you're right. It can be the something pH in the soil. The pH might be out of whack there. It yeah. could be the pH. It could be any of the nutrients could be out of whack. So uh, soil testing can be very limited at-home chemistry set right through to a send it into a, a chemistry lab, a lab testing, soil testing lab to have them test it for you. So lots of options out there, and and I'm happy to talk about soil testing if people want to get into it. Hey, that'd be great. Okay, Um, we're going to take a little break right here because I know we're coming back to talk to Sam in Etobicoke who has not only a question but a comment. Kind of Mm. interesting to get to that. Okay, back in just a moment here on the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show. I'm Frank Proctor, the sous chef of the garden, and Grace is answering the phones. We're all together here just for you folks. Okay, back in a minute. Southern Ontario, Western New York, wherever you're tuning in, this is your place for everything garden. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, sponsored by Scott's, makers of Turf Builder Easy Seed. And it's 9.43 here at AM740, Zoomer Radio, as we say good morning to Sam in Etobicoke. Hi, Sam. Morning. Morning. I phoned in 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 early 2009 about some seed that I had... uh, uh, bought and and wasn't able to plant, and you suggested I plant it in October, so I did last fall. Mm-hmm. What sorry? What kind of seed was it? Uh, wild wildflowers. Okay. Yep. Oh. Okay. And, and some grasses mixed. Mm-hmm. And this spring, when I went up to the location, all I got was the grasses. I I guess I did something wrong. No, probably the seed just got old. It wouldn't germinate. Yeah. Like it, I took a few samples, and it looked like they were going to you know spring. But what my question is, on, on the site, there's a lot of 
wild strawberries and blueberries. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I was wondering if, if you could transplant them without, you know, losing them. To uh, somewhere on the same site or back yeah, to Toronto? Yeah, on the same site. Like uh, it looks like there's not enough, uh, you know, uh, food for the plants like because they're, they're, they don't seem to really bear a lot of fruit. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the strawberries were as big as BBs there when I, like, I just come home yesterday, and, uh, and, and the, you know, they should be bigger at this time of year. They should, but keep in mind, wild stru- strawberries are very small anyway. They never get huge. The, we're used to these monster fist-sized strawberries that come out of California that are grown on steroids or something. I mean, yeah. the true wild ones are tiny, tiny, just taste machines you know they're just so full of flavor but they're very very small it could be that the birds are getting them before you are is that possible yeah but i was thinking of transplanting them in one location because they're scattered all through the area okay so what i would do is rather than doing a lot of transplanting and risk the chance of losing them what i would do is i would try and supplement or amend the soil that they're growing in to help them be bigger and happier and healthier. And once that happens, of course, more fruit will be set and more seeds will be produced and they will just naturally start moving into some of these other areas. What, well, uh, sprinkle some soil over the area? Exactly. But like a good quality, highly like a, organic... Like mix or something. Exactly. Uh, make sure it's a, from, a, from a reputable supplier with no weed seeds in it. Because that can be a, an issue, yeah, right? You don't want to find. <laughs> bring weeds in. Um, well, depending on whether how big the area is, of course, the bag. Like on large quantities, uh, you know, you need quite a quantity. Yeah, you would, okay. Um, or if there's any farms nearby, sometimes you can get well-aged manure, and that would be amazing to well, supplement. Well, site, you know, you've heard of the 30,000 islands. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm one of them. <laughs> oh, hey, wow. Of the 30,000. So you got to get across onto an island with <laughs> organic material. Okay, so get a goat. No, get a, <laughs> get a goat. Get a chicken. <laughs> Not a goat, because a goat will eat your strawberries. But, um, you know, you just need some animal to create the manure for you. Yeah. <laughs> chickens. Get chickens. Okay. Okay. Um, Yeah, I hate to... See, yes, you could consider transplanting, but keep in mind that strawberries want the full sun locations. Blueberries want the part sun, part shade locations. Uh But it all comes down to the soil. Yeah, okay. Thanks very much. Okay. (laughs) Good luck, Sam. (laughs) Thank you, Sam. You know, uh, that comment from Sam kind of reminds me that it's really nice once in a while to hear from listeners uh, to whom you've given advice on various issues uh, to call back maybe several months later and saying, hey, you know what you did was right or, in Sam's case, didn't work. Uh, It's nice to kind of do a little follow-up. Absolutely. We love to hear back. Yeah. Yeah. Phone numbers to reach Charlie in Toronto, 416-360-0740. And uh, Anywhere else in the province, of course, it's toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And next on the line is Ross from Ajax. Hi, Ross. Hi, how you doing? Good. Morning. Good morning, Charlie. I got a couple of questions about uh, pruning shrubs. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a Japanese curia and a viburnum. Okay, sorry, you know what? My headphone just blanked out. You got a viburnum and what else? Uh, curia, Japanese curia. Uh-huh, yes. Produces all those lovely yellow flowers. Yellow flowers, exactly. So okay. you're wondering... Every wh- time I trim that uh-huh. back a bit, the whole branch dies. Oh. <laughs> Timing is everything, and where you prune to is important as well. 
Uh, now, the curie is a bit unusual because it's a shrub that blooms virtually all summer. So the rule of thumb with all of our flowering shrubs is only prune them as soon as they finish flowering. And that way we don't risk losing the flowering for the following year. Right. So the... Um, uh, or flowers for the following year. Curie, on the other hand, because they bloom all summer, we can pretty much trim them anytime we want because they're always going to have flowers on them. They never really stop. Main thing is do your trimming when they're actively growing and try to avoid giving them a haircut. Try to avoid doing that sort of swoopy uh, shearing of a curia because it's already a kind of a bushy mass of of stems anyway. You go and cut those off at, you know, half the height they are now, you're going to have twice as many bushy stems. So I end up with twice as many dead ones. (laughs) Well, that's right. And you could end up with that dieback that happens when we do that shearing. You're better to get down on your hands and knees, crawl in underneath that mess, and remove some of the older, thicker stems from ground level. And then if the thing, if the whole shrub is still too wide and too, you know, taking up too much space, then even, again, from ground level, take out some of the younger stems and, and shrink the whole clump into a narrower space. Uh, that will keep it a little bit tidy. It'll keep it green and it'll maintain the flowering. Okay, the viburnum now, I want to cut it down about two or three feet. Okay. It's got... It's about 9, 10, 12 feet high in places. Sure. And again, is that one of the snowball types with the white flowers? Yeah. And Fragrant flowers. Yeah. So um, viburnums are great. They're native plants to Ontario. They flower in the spring, give us berries in the summer. They attract birds uh, with their berries. And then, of course, we often get lovely fall color as well. So very ornamental, nice shrubs to have in the garden. Uh, they get some of them get very big, which is your experience. Uh-huh. Again, if you go in there and you give this plant a haircut, so you take two or three feet off the top of it, you're going. The, the shrub will just end up misshapen. Um, the, though, in a worst case, that's what you have to do. You have to just go in there and take down the, um, the the sort of top couple of feet off of the top of it, and then stand back and do some shaping of what's left. It has finished flowering now. Now is the time to do the trimming on the viburnum. Uh, the best way to really form and have a good proper shape on that plant is again go to ground level, take out the older stems from the bottom. If there's 15 branches sticking up from the ground, you can do one-third at a time. One-third per year can be removed. So you could potentially take out five of the older stems this time of year today, and next year take out you know five more of the older stems. And in three years, you know two years after that, again, you're right back to the beginning. You've got a nice fresh young plant growing. So that's really the way to maintain them from becoming big and old and gnarly, which is what can often happen with the shrubs if we ignore them for too long. So... There you go. Shearing if you have to, but from the ground is the best when it comes to removing stems. Okay, I thought I'd better check with you because I had a corkscrew witch hazel that mm-hmm. I trimmed last year mm-hmm. right back, and I replaced it this spring. Mm-hmm. Corks- <laughs> I think I got a little carried away. You know what? Don't blame yourself on that. Corkscrew hazels will sometimes just suddenly die. 25, 30 years old, beautiful plant. Doesn't come Bing, through the winter. Done. Yep, just mm. in the, the spring. Planet, yeah. Yep, I, I call it the arthritis tree. Yeah. <laughs> well, they and they're funny it's, that way. They, you know, we had a, such a wet year last year that we had a horrible winter for overwintering plants with all that mild temperature and no snow. So a, a number of plants died that we didn't expect to die this past winter. So don't blame yourself. Like I say, with the corkscrew hazels, they'll just do that. 
So good. thank you very much, Ross, and good luck with that. You've got your work cut out for you by the sounds of it. I do, yeah. All thank right. you very much, Ross, calling in from Ajax. It's 9.51, and uh, Charlie Dobbin will be back to receive uh, a comment and a question from Don and Port Rowan. Need gardening advice? You've come to the right place. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, sponsored by Scott's, the makers of miracle Grow. Frank Proctor here, sous chef of the garden and the gardener, master gardener, shall I say, and who is always right, it's Char- <laughs> Charlie Dobbin. Not quite. All right, I, I jest. Thank you, uh, though. Well, nice if I was. Yeah, all righty. Uh, Carol in Barrie has a question for us uh, right now. Hello, Carol. Hello. Morning. Good morning. Go ahead. Uh, I have a bleeding heart, uh, three pieces from a whole one. Uh, it is approximately 180 to 200 years old. Wow. Whoa. Been a family for that long. Uh, this year, one of the branches on it turned white flowers instead of pink. Uh-huh. Just one branch. Oh, it's traitors. Why? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hmm. Could have been... One of two things. And I think actually more likely that white branch you saw is not actually coming from your old original bleeding heart. I think what might have happened is that a seed has blown in from somewhere in the neighborhood where there was a white bleeding heart growing and it has just sprouted. And the conditions are so perfect for bleeding heart where these things land sometimes. It just grew up with the white. Because what you're seeing, the white is a more selected variety. It's not. Sometimes plants will revert back to their original form. So mm-hmm. we'll see bluebells turn white. We'll see, you know, um, euonymus that's variegated turn green. Like we see the plant revert to its, like I say, its original or its wild type. The wild or original type on Bleeding Heart is pink. It's not white. White is a selection. So I, oh, okay. like I said, I think it's probably a different plant. Okay. All right. Well, I was just concerned there was a problem with it. No, oh. no. It's actually quite a lovely, the white is is. People get all excited about that one, so you might not want it right next to the pink, but certainly if you have a dark corner where it's all kind of deep and dark and you pop a white bleeding heart into that dark corner, suddenly it's like a little beacon. It just brightens oh, up the corner. Great. Good oh. idea. So if you've got an area like that, I would just transplant it. Okay, I'll do that. Okay, okay Carol. Thank, thank, thank you, you very much. much. Thanks okay. for your call, and I love that. 180 to 200-year-old Unbelievable. Gee, I hope she's got a record of to whom it well, belongs. you know, it's and, like tracking your family tree, yeah, tracking literally. your plant tree. Yeah. Planting the, <laughs> yes, tracking your tree. <laughs> yeah. uh, what, what Whatever, yeah, how do you say that? <laughs> uh, well, we've got time for one more call, and it is Don in Port Rowan. He's got a comment and a question. Hello, Don. Welcome. Good morning, Charlie and Frank. Good morning. Uh, my comment is on sous chef. You just called Charlie a master gardener. Yes. I always thought that the assistant to a master gardener was an undergardener. Oh, hey, really? I kind of like that. Term. I do too. Undergardener. <laughs> well, like, sounds like a garment. In, in all well, the big <laughs> houses that I used to love to be able to live in and couldn't, that's what they did. They had a master gardener and an under and an undergardener. undergardener. Well, thank you, like Don. I understudy. think I'm going. To, I'm going to add that to my sous chef. <laughs> yeah, let's get a business card for that. <laughs> undergardener. Undergardener. Yep. And yep. they're my on the third floor, along <laughs> with appliances. <laughs> my little apprentice. Yeah. <laughs> my question is. On a white pine. Uh, we live here in Port Rowan, which is just around the corner from the forestry station in St. Williams. 
Mm-hmm. And a couple of years ago, they gave out some miniature seedlings, you know, the ones that they sell and give away to farmers. Yep. They're about 10 inches tall. Mm-hmm. So we stuck it in a corner of the garden, and now it's a beautiful three-foot-high mm-hmm. plant, and it's outgrown where we stuck it. Mm-hmm. Uh, when would be the best time to uh, transplant it? Well, a little earlier in the spring would have been nice. So I would, if you can leave it till next spring, I would, or uh-huh. transplant it this fall. I, it, this fall would be okay? This fall would be okay. The, tr- the main thing to remember when you're transplanting a pine, well, transplanting anything, know where you're going with it and have the hole prepared in advance. Right. Uh-huh. So you've dug your hole, you've got amended soil, you've got some uh, bone meal on hand to encourage root growth. So all that's ready to go. Oh, that, good. But with white pine, the one thing to remember is they have a tap root. So you must dig much deeper than you think in order to lift as much as you can of that root, keeping the soil attached and getting it into its new home. Well, we, of course, have solid clay down mm-hmm. here that turns into bricks without even baking. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess I've got to dig. How, how deep would you say then? Well, try moisten the soil in advance so it's not so heavy and hard to get through. If you can possibly, I would try and dig down about a foot, and then I would try and undercut at a foot, and what you're hoping to get is about 10 inches of stem, of root that way, I should say. Um, Very good. And uh, and if possible, don't allow the soil to fall away from those roots. So have an old pillowcase or a a sheet or a piece of burlap available just to kind of wrap the soil and the root together before you lift it out of the hole and then over to your new spot and then gently into the hole. You'll need some help for somebody to stabilize the plant, holding it nice and straight while you pack the the soil around, tamping it firmly and watering thoroughly. Good. And uh, I should put... um bone meal in the bottom. I would. I'd put a handful of bone meal into the bottom just to encourage the root growth. Good. Thank you very much. Thank you, and good luck with that. Thanks, Don. Uh, Well, we're fresh out of racetrack. My (laughs) gosh. Look at that. The time is gone, Charlie. I tell you, they don't call you the undergardener for nothing. That's right. You can tell time and everything. (laughs) Sous chef undergardener. Oh, my gosh. I love it. Um, (laughs) Frank Proctor here, and Charlie Doppin, of course, back again next Saturday morning Mm -hmm. here from AM 740. Father's Day weekend next weekend. Yes. So we'll have to report on what's going on there. And thank you very much, Frank, for all your wonderful support and grace. Not only is she a great producer, but she's a researcher and an announcer. And a pronouncer, too. She pronounced very well today. My Mm -hmm. goodness, she is (laughs) well-rounded. And uh, thank you to everybody for your great calls. We'll see you all next week. Bye-bye. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.